Good morning, friends. Hi, guys. Good morning. Oh, Hannah, your background's so much cuter. I'm in the archive room at the library. <laughs> There's wires everywhere. There's toys everywhere. This is the one corner of my house that's clean right now, so you got a treat. <laughs> Look at your cute little fuzzy mic cover. <laughs> You're such an influencer. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. It was real cheap, too. I was like, I love pink, and I love just, I don't know, all the textures, so I bought it. Oh, it's so cute. Thank you for saying yes. Oh, of course. I mean, she had so many wonderful things to say about you guys that I was just like, yes, of course. We got that BFF coming in clutch for, for Brent over here. Yes. <laughs> so a cool. Connector, a bridge builder for sure. She is. She's like the best networker. Yeah. Like she's wow. incredible at it. She really is. She's amazing. Wow. So we're, we're building an awesome That's network awesome. of sisters. I know. It's yeah. so good. It's, it's so good. That's well, really thank cool. you again for taking time out of your day, Hannah. What do you have going on today besides us? Really nothing. I've got Pilates and then picking my kids up and doing the after school activity. So like, this is like my time to like get work done and to like talk to friends and catch up with my family. Like this is perfect. Nice. So yeah. Well, this morning, whenever I was out, like I usually, after the kids get off to school, I sit out on my back porch and it's like a screened in porch. So it's really nice. So there's no mosquitoes. So it's wonderful. And so I sit out there and I read the word. And so that's like my time with the Lord and it's just our sacred time. It's precious. And this morning it was raining outside. And so it was just a very neat ambiance as I was just connecting with the Lord and reading things that really touched my heart. And I just remember just like, I, one of my heart's desires is just Lord, just create in me a clean heart. Oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. And as the rain was coming down, I just really felt that prayer, just like exuding out of my heart, Lord, wash me clean with your word, wash me clean with your heart, wash me, wash me uproot things inside of me that don't belong. Um, allow, allow your Holy spirit to just wash me completely from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. So that was kind of like my prayer this morning. And it's amazing what happens whenever you kind of get into a place of surrender and humility that maybe you, you know, and on days where you don't want to just kind of surrender and, you know, surrender things within your heart that don't belong. It's wonderful what happens to your heart whenever you do. And so that was just kind of like my time this morning it was beautiful. It was precious. And such a perfect setting too, right? The yeah, it was. Home. I was like, oh my gosh, of course it's gonna be raining when I pray this right now. <laughs> oh, cool. that's beautiful. I love that yeah. analogy of uprooting and God giving us a new root system so yeah. that he can lay an even stronger foundation and make all things new. That's interesting. Yes. I was just reading. It reminds me of my quiet time this morning. I was in Isaiah 61 for everything that we go through that he gives us back a double portion of his goodness. Yes. Yes. He, That's yeah. another prayer that I have all the time is like, Lord, I want a double a double anointing like Elisha. I want a double portion like Elisha. And so I speak not, not only do I speak that over myself, but I speak it over my children and I speak yes. it over my husband. Like, Lord, whatever you have to do in this family, whatever you have to do with us in order to receive a double portion from you so we can be effective for the kingdom of God, go ahead and do that. I'm okay with that. So yeah, yeah I totally agree with you. Whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. It's a big ask when we it say, is. give us, give us this and give us this. And, right. and then we know that when we step into that space with him, that we're asking to clear the, clear the cobwebs out. And we know that the pruning is about to take place. Yeah. That refiner's fire. And on the other side of that, it's so good. Yeah. It's and it can be painful and yeah. it could cause us to have to force ourselves to face things that we don't want to face, to have to deal with things that we don't want to deal with. 
And yes. that's the only way in order for him to be the potter and for us to be the clay, then we have to, to allow ourselves to become pliable and to become pliable. We have to unharden our hearts, unharden ourselves, unharden our ways of thinking, step out into a place of where we're not so headstrong in certain areas of our lives. And so, yeah, it's very, very true. Like being able to say, God, nothing is off limits for you and actually yeah. and come toe to toe with what we need to confront in our lives, sure. the weight that's holding us back mm-hmm. and asking him to clean us out. It's a mm-hmm. process. I just wrote in my journal yesterday when I was pondering some things in my own life, I said, I don't always look forward to the process that's inside the process. <laughs> I know, right? It's <laughs> necessary. I'm like, I was reading it. I was going back this morning. I was like, it sounds a little bit like a pity party. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but you know what? what? I'm feeling I mean, in the moment. <laughs> yes. And you know what? The Lord loves that. Do you know that he loves hearing your heart like that? Like I'm right now I'm in Psalms and I'm reading about David and David talk about a pity party. Sometimes the dude was like this, like, he yeah. was like, he's like, <laughs> he's you're a roller so coaster. I know he's such a roller coaster. He's like, you're so amazing. God, I love you. Things are wonderful. And then he's like, Oh, help me Lord. My enemies hate me. Everyone's out to get me. It's like this all the time. Hey, the but people he, actually kill him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yet he was a man after God's own heart. So Absolutely. there's such grace for us whenever we pray like that, because he just, he wants that intimacy with us so badly. And sometimes that intimacy comes when things are hard. And whenever we're asking for things that might seem too large or whenever we're like just in total despair, he, he kind of craves that. And so I think it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Yeah. I believe that in the core of that is our desperation Mm. that in, in the process that intimacy is definitely a word that, that we say often on ground table. And I, I do believe that it is what Jesus came to restore mm-hmm. is I go back to the scripture that he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. And yeah. the joy is us and knowing that he took every step because mm-hmm. he knew, and he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he knew yes. on the other side of that and the resurrection, what he would be able to restore for us and the intimacy mm-hmm. and the, and the connection yeah. savior as our best friend, as our intercessor, yes. as our father. Okay. Yes. Brett, your turn. What was your quiet time? <laughs> Oh, did you pour your guts out this morning? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. So I wasn't feeling great yesterday. So yesterday I was just laying there and praying and I was like, Lord, you're totally going to just guide this conversation. I know he is. And Jennifer was telling us about you and just all that you're doing. And then I was, I went and followed you on Instagram and was like looking at the stuff. And I just love the joy that you bring to your, your Instagram page, but also your family. I think, mm-hmm. um, joy is just, it's cultivated too. Mm-hmm. Um, and when families can get together and have fun, there's a freedom there. And that's yeah. what I see when I look at your, your family. So I would, mm-hmm. I would just love to, to know more about how, you know, that joy has been ever present in your life and your family's life and what that looked like maybe early on in your childhood. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That was really sweet. Really touches my heart. And yeah, I mean, I feel like so often people can look at accounts and look at, you know, other people's lives and think, oh my gosh, like how in the world, it's so gag worthy to be that happy all the time. Like, oh, like how is that even possible? Like (laughs) that's just crazy. And I will say that 
really what has happened in my own life is joy has been cultivated through the fire. And there has been so many times within my life that I have walked through fire time and time again, scorching fire, uh, agonizing fire that has really forced me to, like it talks about in Thessalonians, where in all circumstances, I give you praise in all circumstances, no matter what, because that is God's will for me in Christ Jesus is to walk in joy no matter what. And so I've learned that despite my circumstances, that God still loves me very much. And there's been so many times in my life where there have been, uh, you know, I, I know that there's also wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And so I, I'm very blessed in uh, placing myself in circumstances and situations where I do have godly women around me that speak into my life. And so there was this one woman that in, in the worst of the worst that I was experiencing, maybe just a few years ago, she looked me straight in the eye and she said, do you really understand how loved you are? Like, do you really get it? Like, do you understand how fully loved you are by our savior? And I think that so often when people don't walk in joy and whenever it doesn't show on their countenance or whenever they have an attitude or whenever think they just feel like no one gets it. No one is experiencing the pain that I'm experiencing. I have it worse than everybody else. I think so often it's because we're unaware of how loved we really were, because if we did know how loved we really were, we wouldn't be feeling the way that we're feeling. And so often our feelings can dictate our actions and our words and the things that, that, uh, with the way that we respond to certain circumstances. And so I've had to learn, I can't go by my feelings. I have to go by what the word of God says. So what does the word of God say about this kind of circumstance? What does the word of God say about myself? What I, despite what others say about me or despite how I feel about myself, what does the word say? And so really understanding that and knowing that to its core has not only allowed me to walk in joy, but it's allowed me to have a godly confidence in who I am so that I can become effective for other people. And that's ultimately why we're alive is the Lord has given us gifts responsibilities, opportunities, people around us. He's placed us in certain areas of, of life that I won't be able to touch that you'll be able to touch. And I can't, I can't touch those areas. So he has a specific assignment for all of us. And so in that assignment, how are we going to be the most effective? And so that's why it has been so fulfilling for me to really go on this journey of joy through the fire and through all the horrible things that could have happened in the past few years, or even, you know, my, you know, it, throughout my life, really. So that's taught me a lot. It really has. And of course, I'm still a work in progress. And there's not going to be days where I'm super joyful every day, because I'm human. And we we're not immune to pain. And we're not immune to horrible things happening. And it's that's just life. That's what it is. But I did see this video from Francis Chan the other day that was just it just mm -hmm. really made a huge impact on me. Francis Chan is awesome. I love him. Yeah. He's a great author, awesome motivational speaker. He's a wonderful Christian man, but it was a really beautiful illustration that really stuck with me. And it was, he had this big, long rope. And the first part of the rope was, it was colored the color red. And then the rest of the rope was white. And he said, this color red is our life. The rest of this is all of eternity. We get so wrapped up in this red part right here, we get so wrapped up in the things that happen to us on this life and on this earth. We get so wrapped up with what people say. We get so wrapped up in all of this that we're distracted from what is to come. We are distracted from the eternity that we're going to be experiencing. Really, we are just 
physical bodies, but inside we are spiritual beings just experiencing a physical experience for a very short amount of time. So this is all we've got. So how can we be the most effective? And so that really requires us to humble ourselves and to examine our hearts daily. And when we do that and we surrender our lives and say, okay, Lord, I really want to make a difference. I really do want to be effective for your kingdom. I'm not here just to live for me. I'm not here just to live for, you know, just to raise kids and and have a husband. And that's pretty much it. No, I want you to do whatever you design me to do. And so that's going to require a lot of heart stuff. So that's kind of what I've been learning. And it's, it's really been a really beautiful journey so far. I've loved it. I love that. And, you know, you said something about like knowing your identity in Christ. And Mm -hmm. I think every time I've had that experience of, you know, the fire, like you said, it's always come back to who am I believing I am? Who am Mm -hmm. I believing God to be? And Mm -hmm. it always boils back to identity. If we do not understand who we are in Christ, we cannot understand the day-to-day calling that he has on our life. And that's where a confusion comes in and disappointment and all of those things. So in my life, because I'm an artist, I'm a very feeling person. Yeah. That means that sometimes I get wrapped up a little too deep in the way that I feel. And so I have had to learn in my journey to have that countenance of like, or those countenance checks, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, am I, am is the joy of the Lord on my face right now? Or is, um, am I walking out the, the promises of God with the mindset that he is good mm-hmm. and not believing those limiting beliefs or those lies. So I totally resonate with what you're saying because it is identity is such a key element. And mm-hmm. I know Juliet and I have talked about that in the past too, is you have to know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, dig in the word, and remind yourself, we still, it doesn't matter how long our journeys are, we still need checkups of yeah. what we're believing and, and who we are in Christ. And so, um, you know, there's resources online where you can go and, and get a list of all the verses of who God says that you are just right. having that readily available or looking at that, um, and reminding yourself who you are can go a long way. Yeah, I, totally I agree. agree. So good. I so, so agree good. with you. And we haven't awesome. even introduced you yet. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'm just jumping into so the meat. to say. I was so excited about this conversation. I'm like, okay, sorry. Go ahead with the intro. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh. That's so funny. <laughs> Welcome to Ground Table, everybody. <laughs> oh, it's so good. We're at the table today with my co-host, Britt Alvin, and the amazing, wonderful, beautiful Hannah Cruz. She is a Christian author, spokesperson, and content creator. We can't wait to dive into more pieces of that. And Britt informed me today that you are releasing a devotional in March of 24. Yay! Yeah. Can't yeah, wait to get our exciting. hands and our eyes on that. So excited. I was on my run this morning, and I was thinking about about what do I want to ask Hannah Cruz? What came to me is this, because you are, you are joy. I mean, when I came, when I went on your Instagram, I was like, she's really freaking funny. (laughs) I love to laugh. Okay. I love to laugh. And I'm like, your dad jokes and your puns and (laughs) I'm an unintentional punny person. And my kids are like, really? Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that was really bad. As I was thinking about you 
And just coming on your Instagram page, I mean, you see, you see joy, but I know human to human that doesn't eliminate pain Mm -hmm. from your life. And there is this, there's this idea around joy that if we're joyful, that we're pretending that life isn't happening. Right. And scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I was having a conversation with my mom. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago and I'm so blessed to still have my mom with me. She's 79. She's such a warrior. And she said, honey, how can I pray for you today? And I said, you know, I I feel like I'm lacking some joy. Mm -hmm. And I know the power in that, that may sound like a simple ask, but the scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I know that when I have that joy, Oh, it's like breath of fresh air, right? It's wind in our sails. And so as I was running and pounding the pavement, I thought, how does Hannah reframe fear in her life? Because trauma traps our breath. It begins with fear. It's fear. It's like the rope that you just described, the fear of what is going to happen, all the ifs what hasn't happened that we're thinking about the future scripture says she has no fear of the future. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. So I love that. What's your, why, how do you reframe fear in your life? How do you pull that genuine, authentic, what well, we get the comedic relief that you give us day to day, right? So beautiful. And you have so much on your, on your Instagram, your life and your family. It's beautiful. Um, but for you personally, human to human, what does that look like for you when hard things happen? Yeah, I think that you you brought up a really good, interesting point whenever you said that sometimes whenever people look at people that are joyful or it it might get irritating or like a little too much or like that's that's fake. There's no way that, you know, somebody can be that joyful all the time or that happy all the time. It's like you're you're putting on a fake face or uh, you know, trying to present yourself in a way that isn't true. And I know that that has been a misconception for people and especially people that are hurting and then they see someone that maybe is experiencing a season of joy, then it, it's just it's just this uh on the inside. It's like why it's, it's not, but it's I think it's almost like they want to feel the feelings that somebody else is feeling of, of joy, of, of peace, of, uh, long suffering, where in the midst of suffering, you are, you are long suffering. You are, you are still going through the fire, but yet you're, you still have a, a different kind of uh, countenance to yourself. And, and the Holy spirit is still shining through you, even in the midst of horrible things. And so I know that that can be something that people say, and, and my fear all the time, my whole life has always been fear of what people think. And so I've never wanted people to see me or how I carry myself or the way that I present myself, whether it's in person or online as, as something that's fake when really in reality, what joy is, it is such an overwhelming amount of trust in the Lord that he's going to take care of me no matter what. And Mm. so I think that fear, a lot of times what it is, is this this desire to remain in control of your own situation. And when things don't go as planned, according to the control of your situation, that's whenever fear seeps in. And so it's almost like it's a cracking of, of this is, this is you trying to hold your life together with the control that, you know, you're not allowing really the Lord to have full control. And so there's cracks and there's little crevices that are coming in and then fear just like water starts seeping in and starts to drown you. You're drowning in fear. 
And so that I think is what I've had to, to learn and to overcome is no matter what people think, no matter what people say, no matter what I'm going through, I'm not in control of this situation. The only thing that the only person that's in control of anything is the Lord. But the only thing that I do have control of is my responses and the way that I handle myself and the way that um, I present myself. And of course, the desire of my heart has always been to be effective for the kingdom of God. And I know that I can't be effective if I'm constantly walking in fear. I can't be effective if I, I, you know, am just sour and rude and ugly and critical or gossiping about people. There's, there's no way that I can be effective. And so in a way, I've, and I actually just read that book, The Awe of God by John Bevere. Mm. And it talked, it's it, the whole book is about fear. But not necessarily the I'm afraid or I'm scared or I'm not in control type of fear, but the fear of the Lord. And so that book allowed me to really dive into what does this mean? The fear of the Lord. And really what it is, is knowing that no matter what, the Lord is in control of everything. But I want to make sure that the depths of my heart, the places that nobody else sees, but the places that maybe I'm aware of, but the Lord is most definitely aware of, I need to make sure that those places are squeaky clean. And once those places are squeaky, and that's that's called fear of the Lord and obedience. And so whenever you walk in obedience and you're constantly examining your heart and knowing like, okay, like. I got to make sure that I'm not going to say something that is really intended on maybe trying to passive aggressively hurt someone, or I'm not going to do something that is, you know, not necessarily going to build someone up. It's going to be cutting someone down. And so, or seeing myself in certain ways, like I'm not going to sit here and just grovel and, and, and whine about my circumstances because that's not God's best for me. It's just not. And so I want to live my life in a way that is God's best for me and the the easiest way for me to do that is to walk in a healthy fear of the Lord. So I was able to dive into all those scriptures that talk about that. And mm-hmm. whenever you walk in fear of the Lord, joy is ever present because whenever you, you walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you have no choice, but to desire to be obedient in the things of the Lord, whether that's what you do physically in person, how you present yourself online, but mainly what's going on in here. So this is all I care about. All I care about and all I have control over is what's going on in here and surrendering that fully to the Lord. And that's really what's been sustaining me and um, allowing me to, to see the fullness of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord in spite of any circumstance. So powerful, friend. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. So I'll circle back to something that you said that fear seeps in the, the cracks what are some things that you do in rhythms in your life? Uh, let's let's talk about spiritual rhythms first that you've developed in your life. And maybe they started as disciplines and they've come full circle into rhythms for you and they're non-negotiables, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to have a day without, without those pieces of your life happening, right. uh, the core of who you are. So what are some of those things that you do where the rhythms in your life that keep fear from seeping through those cracks and right. keeping them closed off? Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be different for everyone. Like everyone's spiritual journey is going to be so different. And for me, I grew up in a Christian home. And so, you know, I did the church thing and I did the Wednesday nights thing. And I was involved in the, you know, the clubs on, on campus that were the Christian clubs and stuff. So in my mind growing up, like 
I had the upbringing. And so I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm good on the Jesus thing. Like, I don't really need to do anything more anymore. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been told the scriptures from people. I went to Awana's, I learned the things I went to a Christian <laughs> school. So I feel like I'm okay. And so, yeah. you know, in, in the immaturity of that, you think that that's really all you need, but mm. It's just not the case. And whenever you do grow up and you start adulting and experiencing really hard things that are a little bit more out of your control than whenever, you know, your parents can come to your rescue whenever you're a kid, um, it required a little bit more. And so it it was one of those things where I I did. I walked through some some really horrible seasons of my life, traumatic seasons and devastating seasons and tragic seasons where it forced me to my knees. And I had to come to a place where, you know, I I had to realize like, you know what, church is wonderful and being involved is wonderful and having Christian friends is wonderful. But for me right now, that's not enough. And so once I really decided, like, I have to read the word of God and yeah, I would even read devotionals. Those are great too. But I was like, I have to really start making a habit of actually reading the word of God. And I cannot tell you what it did for me. I mean, it's, it's like, it just, I mean, the power of the word came alive Mm -hmm. when I really decided to start reading it for myself. And rather than just hearing what the pastor said on, on the pulpit and just hearing what I was told in school or remembering the verses that I memorized because I had to opening it up, this sword, this literal letter from God himself, the creator of the universe to little old me was what changed everything. I would read it. And I, it was like, I would just physically feel my brain start to rewire. It, it, it was, even though it was a spiritual thing that was happening, I could literally feel it physically. My perceptions started to change the way that I saw other people started to change the way I saw myself started to change the way I started seeing my circumstances started to change. And I started begging the Lord, Lord, I want your heart I want your my heart to break for the things that break your heart. I want to live my life the way that you want me to live my life. I don't want to force my will over yours just because I think that that's what's best for me. I don't want that anymore. And the word of God is what did that for me. And yet at the same time, there were seasons in my life where it was so horrible that even that wasn't enough. And even that was to me, I was like, I'm still feeling like I'm drowning. I don't know what to do. And like I told you, there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And and there were seasons where Christian counseling was necessary. It was just necessary to sit down with a professional and to talk through these things and to help me just kind of understand things differently and see things differently. And that's where a lot of healing came to. So for everyone, it's going to be different, but I just know that pursuing that personal relationship with the Lord, with the word of God is so crucial, but I feel like that's also the most overlooked thing that people tend to do. Sometimes people tend to just like put so much stock and go to church or so much stock into therapy and then forget about this gift that we have been given by the creator of the universe. So that's kind of what has done it for me really. Incredible. I love that. I mean, it resonates. I know with Britt and I both, we talk about that frequently. I think so many times on different podcast episodes, but it was, it was a pivot. It was a complete shift for me. That whisper came, Juliet, the scripture says Satan is always on the prowl. He's always seeking. Why do you think that you can ever stop seeking me? 
Yes. Why do you think that you can put it in neutral and just coast? Mm. Like that's not an option in its day to day because we have control over oftentimes all the things that that show up in our day. Mm -hmm. But like you just said earlier, we can control how we respond to those, Mm -hmm. but it still doesn't change the fact that it can be traumatic and tragic and difficult. And we want to be ready. We want, we want to be as ready as we possibly can be. And that strength and that, that spiritual resilience and that emotional and spiritual intelligence to be intact when those things do show up in our lives, because we definitely, we know that God is for us. He wants us to have the advantage in this life and and the fight to do it. That's amazing. Hannah, Mm. Britt, you have, you have some thoughts on what she just shared. Yeah. So as you were talking, I just had like a flashback of something when I first started learning about reading the Bible for myself and, and not just taking what the pastor, you know, said as truth, because I grew up in church and Mm -hmm. loved the Lord and had a similar desire to be effective for the kingdom of God. But with that, we tend to be gullible to, you know, just taking what the pastor says is truth. And so it wasn't really until Bible college that I came to those similar questions of, I think I need to know the Lord a little bit better than just what the pastor says on Sunday. And so I started really just diving in and reading for myself. And I remember a a season that my husband and I were going through just such a difficult, difficult time, not only relationally, but just with a move that we had moved to a new city, new jobs. I mean, there was a lot going on, a church plant group and everything was just kind of, it felt like crashing down. And I really dug in. And so um, I didn't realize I was doing like a year Bible plan, read the Bible in a year, right? So it was in the back of my Bible and I'm looking um, and somehow, you know, the grace of God, I missed a, com- a, a month. I think it was the month of June, went to July, but I didn't realize it until the following month that I had missed that, that month of reading that I had gone ahead And it just so happened that we got some news that was devastating that month. And I went back to catch up on, you know, what I had missed. And it was the book of Job. Lord, you did not do that. I mean, this is on purpose, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. That whole month, right? So because he knew I needed to read the book of Job Mm -hmm. that following month. And so I just think the realness and the the beauty of your relationship um, with Christ and how you get to know how he cares for each one of us differently is so beautiful. And so um, it just builds your trust in who Mm -hmm. he is. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I love that you said that because that personal relationship with God is, is the one thing that each one of us can do as a rhythm in our life that will ultimately transform who we are and our future. It makes you feel so seen, right? Like it just makes you feel so seen and so known. And that's what I love about the Lord so much is how personal he is. Like we're us as human beings are so personal anyways. Like we're personal human beings. Like 
we we're, when we're talking to someone like that's who we're speaking to. It's just very one-on-one type of relationship. That's how he created us, but that's how he is. And so it always cracks me up whenever people online are like, oh yeah, go talk to your sky daddy that doesn't even really care about you. And I'm like, if you only knew this guy is not just some sky daddy that is, you know, overlooking everything and that we don't matter with these little ants in an ant colony and that none of us really matter. And he's just seeing all of the things go on and everyone eating each other and all this stuff and like that he doesn't care he's just watching it happen almost as if it's a joke that is not the case I have I have seen the Lord come through for me in so many ways so many personal ways where I've even asked him you know multiple times like Lord show up for me today in a way that I know that you see me and he does every single time. Mm. And it's like, this ain't no just sky daddy that is just up there and doesn't really care about anybody. This is a yeah. father that loves me and cares for me. And that really knows me from the inside out, knows how to get to me and knows how to reach me. So yeah, it's just the most beautiful, precious, most intimate thing on the planet. I just love it. So good. I have a friend, uh, Sonia, who says, I mean, Juliet, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like the the God of the universe, right? And to think that He cares about all the nuances and the details and the ebb and the flow of our day to day existence. Yeah, and that you said something so critical, and it's that we are seen, and He wants mm-hmm. nothing more than for us to know. Uh, that we're seen and that we're, and I think too, like, yeah. And I think too, like, I feel like he delights in the fact that he can reach us in ways that somebody else can't. And I think that he wants so badly for us to see who he is. And that's why he is so personal. And I have to tell you the story. Like this is, this is how personal our God is and how he has truly, truly known us and knit us in our mother's wombs from the very beginning of time and how much he adores us and wants us to understand that he is literally right there with us along the way. And, and this is the story of me meeting my husband. And when I was 19, there was this guy that was like messaging me on Facebook. And he, I guess he grew up in the same hometown as I did. We grew up down in the Rio Grande Valley, which is like deep South Texas by South Padre Island. It's like on the border. It's like the deepest down there that you can go. You're on born and raised Texas. Come on. I know. I tell you what, (laughs) it's just so great. Yeehaw. But it's, we, you know, he was messaging me on, on Facebook and he was like, you're from my hometown. That's weird. I've never met you before. And I guess we had all the same friends, but I'm like, this dude's got skinny jeans and spiky hair and like he's in a like, band. Is that a and I know. I'm like, <laughs> is it real? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't even know if you're real. But then I was like, you're also, he's not my type. I don't know. I've never dated guys like him. And so I just really blew him off for a long time. So so finally one like years go by and he's trying for years. And I'm just like, no, I'm dating other people and I'm just not into it. Right. And so he messages me one time and he's like, listen, I am around a lot of chicks all the time because I'm a musician and for whatever reason I'm just I'm just drawn to you and you need to call me and I'm like this dude is either a total jerk or he is really funny I can't I can't figure it out so I decided to go ahead and call him and it was so interesting that night that I called him I I heard his voice on the phone for the first time and it was like oh it was just like I got struck by lightning it was almost like there was something inside of me that knew that his voice was mine. Like he was mine. Mm. And so we start talking a little while for, you know, a week or two. And then I finally get the guts to like, tell my mother. And so 
I sit on the couch with my mom and I'm like, yeah, mom, this guy's been really trying to get a hold of me for years. And we're kind of talking now. And so we go on his Facebook and we're scrolling through his pictures and we come across a picture of his family and she looks at it and she goes, like, it's like, she saw a ghost, like she freaked out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why'd you act like that? And she was like, well, I have a story to tell you. And she said, when I first got saved, I was 20, you know, three, 24 years old. I go to this prayer meeting. I'd never really been to a prayer meeting like this before. It was like a revival meeting back in the eighties. People were crazy back then. There was revivals everywhere. And so she goes to this meeting and, um, the man that was, was preaching and prophesying, uh, there was a little lady that goes up to the front and she's weeping, crying, and she's begging to get pregnant, begging to have a baby. And the man that was, was preaching, he prophesied of this woman. He said, you will conceive, you will have a boy and you will have a girl. And so my mom's standing over there. She's young. She's watching it. She's like, that's weird. Like, I don't know if that's going to be the case. So six months later, my mom goes to the grocery store and she sees that same little lady at the grocery store and she's pregnant. And my mom's like, she's like, oh, that's cool. That's really, really cool. That's like my first miracle. I'd never seen anything like that. So as my mom's telling me this story, then she turns to me and she goes, honey, she goes, that little lady was his mom and the baby that she was pregnant with was him. Oh my God. (laughs) Wait, And that, I mean, if that does not prove how personal God is, then I don't know what does. And it freaked us out so much that we met in person, got engaged two months later, got married four months after that and had to, you know, got pregnant with a baby five months after that. So it was like, boom, 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 boom. Don't recommend going that fast if you're going to get a relationship. (laughs) But I will say when God ordains something, no man will separate it. That's just the way that it is. It's just really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Now that, that is a fascinating origin story. That was cool. I know. Wow. Literally, right. Literally quick. Oh yeah. my gosh, Hannah, that's crazy. Now, how long have you and your husband been together? So it'll be 11 years married in April of next year. Yeah. So 10 years. It's been awesome. It's been wild. You have children. You yes. We one. have two kids. We have a daughter and we have a son and we have two dogs. So it's like an actual like family thing going on. Like it's <laughs> really like, neat. <laughs> yeah. I know. All American yeah. family. I know. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? So we have a miniature golden doodle and then we have a toy schnauzer. So they're two completely different things, but they're darling. Like, and I, I was never a dog person. I thought dogs were so annoying and dirty and stuff, but no, we love these dogs. They're great. I love that. <laughs> I love everything that you are sharing and it's just all so great. And I think Juliet and I were, were chatting before we both want to hear some of your hard stories, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned multiple times that God was ever present and, um, you really got to know him through the fire, but I would love to just know what those, those fire experiences were challenged you towards um, a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Well, I feel like maybe you're talking about the Christian healthcare stuff. Like, cause we, yes. it was so fun. We got to go to New York city and talk about this Christian healthcare ministries program that we've been on, which has been so phenomenal. We loved it so much and we've been using it for 10 years, but yeah, when my husband was like 18, like he had like a few hospital visits that he had gone to. Um, but during the time of his hospital visits and accruing all those, you know, bills, his parents had gone through some pretty significant financial struggles. And so they weren't able to pay for those medical bills. And what happened was it was going against his credit. And so the medical debt situation was really, really severe. And so when we first got married, 
finances were a huge thing for us. I, I certainly, we certainly were not uh, financially stable by any means. We just were like, oh, I guess this is the Lord. And so let's just go ahead and get married and, you know, we'll figure <laughs> it out later. Um, so yeah, the first year of marriage was difficult as far as just not only getting to know each other, because we really had only known each other for like six months. Um, but then of course, like we, I had quit my job in news down where I was in South Texas to move all the way up here to the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I'm like trying to find a job in news up here and it's highly competitive. So I didn't have a job. Like it was hard. So it was a very difficult first year of marriage. And then of course, like getting pregnant, like, you know, really quickly, which was not a part of the plan. And so there was just a lot of things that were happening all at once. And so between like, you know, just, just meshing our personalities and meshing our families and meshing our new lives together, which is already difficult as it is. And then like, now you have a baby to take care of and like finances are really tough. So that was a hard season in our life that we really had to rely on the Lord and rely on wise counsel to get us through that. Because I don't know if we would have made it if we didn't have um, a solid group of people around us praying for us and saying, you do not give up. You do not quit this because this is, this is of God. And so you're going to have, you're going to experience pushback from the enemy. And you need to make sure and decipher, is this the enemy or is this me? And I need to change me and I need to work on myself. So it was a wonderful thing for me because I was able to refine my own character and refine my heart. And while he was doing it on his end too. So it was awesome. I think the biggest fire experience that I've been through, and this is so hard. So trigger warning for anyone that's ever gone through abuse before. But um, when I was 17, I'd gone through a really hard breakup and I was just so madly in love with this high school sweet heart that I had. And I thought that was it. And then, and then we broke up and it was horrible. And so I just lost myself. I did not know how to cope. I did not know how to, to, to walk, eat, breathe, move. Like it was just like a death. Like it was horrible for me. And so my youth pastor encouraged me to work for him during the summer at his office and, um, he would bring me to the back and he would, um, counsel me and talk to me for weeks and weeks and weeks. And basically I was going through a grooming process where ultimately he groomed me enough to believe that the only way to get healed from this trauma and from this sadness was to release my virginity to someone that I trusted. And he made that him. And so it was a really horrible situation and one that I was so ashamed by that I was tricked and fooled into believing that that would actually help me. And uh, my parents, when they found out about this, they were so afraid of my mental state and what I would do either to myself or just in life in general. And like, is she going to go to college? Like they were so concerned about my future that it was like, okay, let's just, let's just not deal and let's just do our best to get past this and move forward. And so it was such a traumatizing and embarrassing uh, thing. And especially back then, like, you know, how long ago was this? Like, so I'm 33 now, 17. So this was, you know, way over a decade ago. Back then, people didn't really listen to the voices of women who had gone through spiritual abuse or even sexual abuse. It just wasn't really something that was taken very seriously. So, and my parents knew that. And so it was just easier to not talk about it. But I, you know, of course, Blaine and I get married and I had let him know that something had happened, but I didn't really go into detail of what had happened. And then um, finally, a few years later, I divulged exactly what happened. 
And he went into a rage and got so upset that I didn't tell him. And uh, he approached my former youth pastor and his wife and said, is this true? Like, did you really do this? And of course their response was, well, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. So he said, I'm going to contact your school and your church and let them know you have no business being around teenage girls, which is Mm -hmm. very true. So in a way he was doing what my father should have done. And um, so when he did, we get a knock on the door a few months later and we're slapped with a 1 million, almost $1 million lawsuit suing us for defamation, basically saying that what I said wasn't true. It was all of my fears were coming true. It was almost like, see, I told you like, this is why I didn't want to say anything because no one was going to believe me. This man is, you know, at the time was like, you know, big in the community. And he he told me very specifically if I ever said anything that he would deny it. No, nobody would believe me. And here we are. Now we're getting sued and we don't have the money. Well, I don't have a million dollars. You have a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars. This is horrible. Having to relive all of this all over again was the most excruciating, awful, intense thing that I've ever had to go through. And so going through that process was grueling and it was terrible. But the fact that I knew that the Lord values the truth and the truth will always set you free. And so I knew that in the back of my mind, like this is really scary and this is really traumatizing to have to live through and to walk through all over again. But I know that despite the lies that they're saying and despite the horrible things that are being, you know, are resurfacing and, you know, them denying it and lying. And it was just, it was awful. I said, I just know that the Lord's going to pull through because there's no way, there's no way that the enemy can prevail with lies. And so we went through the whole process and ended up taking it to the court of appeals. And the court of appeals said, yeah, this actually happened and you cannot silence this girl and you cannot sue her. And so we now have the freedom to, to share this story and to share the victory that we have experienced because of what the Lord has done in this situation. And so it's, it, that was mainly, I think that was probably one of the most traumatizing things that, that I had had to go through. But now I, I look back and I'm like, you know what, like as awful as that is, and as awful as any of our experiences are, whether it's with abuse or whether it's with health issues or whether it's with loss, I just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord in the midst of our pain and in the midst of us going through something, he still allows us to be used for his glory in circumstances like that. Because I can't count how many times there have been women and girls who have gone through church abuse or uh, sexual abuse that I've been able to speak with and talk to and be a light to and to minister to. Yet, if I hadn't gone through something like that, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been effective. So all of the things that we go through and all of the pain and all of the horrific experiences, they're not from the Lord, but the Lord will use them for his glory. He takes beauty from ashes. And so in the middle of our fire, in the middle of being burned to a crisp, he will make something beautiful. And that that is what's happened in our life. And it's still an evolving process, but it's one that I will eternally be grateful for despite what the enemy tried to use to kill, still and destroy. Well, well, thank you for sharing that story. And that is, um, that is traumatizing. Like you mm-hmm. said, just to, to put your trust in someone who's supposed to be leading you right? to have that trust broken and, um, and then realize, you know, what happened mm-hmm. and do you share and do you not? And the journey of that, and, you know, um, just having a husband who will fight 
for you, I right. think probably helped that healing process too. Um, because I think when we go through hard things and people don't come to our, you know, defense, mm-hmm. there is that question of, you know, God, am I enough yeah. to fight for? Am am I someone worthy of being treated with respect? And so mm-hmm. you probably had those similar questions yeah. at one point of time, but, um, but the way that the Lord works things together. So like you said, you can speak into the lives of those women who are in that earlier stage of maybe asking those questions right. and trying to navigate their hard seasons. It's beautiful to see what the Lord has done in your life mm-hmm. and how he has encouraged you and comforted you to comfort others. Yes. It's so beautiful to see. So. Yes. Praise God. Thank you. Absolutely. I know. And that's, that's why the joy of the Lord is our strength that we have no choice. I mean, everyone's going to go through pain. Everybody's going to go through things that are, that are horrific and horrible and tragic, but our, our lives were not meant to, to stay and remain in a rut. It's a season and it's something that the Lord wants to use. And so I don't look back on it at this point anymore with, um, with, uh, resentment as much as I do with, you know what, I, I see how the Lord can use me in not just ways that I think that I can be effective, but the Lord can use me in more ways than, than even I can even comprehend. And so in, in a way it's an exciting thing to know that, you know what, like, Lord, I, I, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to walk in your perfect will, no matter what that looks like. So yeah, it's been a really, really interesting journey, but the Lord is so faithful and he's so good. And I have no choice, but to be grateful. I have no choice, but to walk in gratefulness. And so that just kind of changes the way that I see things and my perception of, of life in general. Otherwise, I mean, I would be just wallowing and and self-pity and pain all the time. And I can't do that. I have, I have children to, to, to be responsible for. I have children that I want them to grow up and know, like, you know what? Mommy went through some really hard things, but when I go through hard things, I know that I have my mommy that can uh, steer me in the ways of the Lord and show me exactly how to get through this pain. So, you know, we do have that responsibility as mothers too. So good. Well, I know from Britt and I, our hearts to yours, sister to sister, it won't go unsaid that we're sorry for the yeah. tragedy and the trauma and the pain that you went through. And to see you today and how you have chosen to live a life of joy mm-hmm. and that God never stops when there is a story to be rewritten and yeah. to see how you've taken your pain and your tragedy and your trauma, and you've turned it into power and to live a life in the fear of God, as you shared earlier and the glory. I mean, his glory, Hannah is all over you. And just to see the goodness of God, that it shines through you. It's in your countenance. It's in your, in your face. And I was sharing with Britt earlier that, um, when we were just having some one-on-one time that, you know, people that are full of joy, they experience pain and oftentimes some of the happiest people have gone through the hardest things yes, yeah. in their lives. And I'm just, I'm so thankful that you chose to keep your light on. Yeah. You fought for that and you've turned those really dark nights into days and you're teaching other people, you know, how to do the same through yes. the, the tools that you've used and how you learn how to reframe the fear mm-hmm. and the trauma and the, the trauma. 
tragedy in your life. And like Brett said, that God worked through your husband to yeah. champion you and to love you. And that's the heart of the father. Yes, he works through is. others to show us, you know, at that time in our story, you could look back in your timeline and feel so forgotten and unseen. And yet yeah. here comes your husband and you finally say, I'm going to step into the space and be completely vulnerable. And right. God said, there you go. Yeah. Now I can take this full disclosure and mm -hmm. I can bring the justice to the injustice that's been done in your life. Yes. And even, even looking back at your life and what you've walked through now, here you are as a mom mm -hmm. and having your own children. And you know, that what you didn't have or what wasn't done at the time that now, you know, Hey guys, counseling, having yeah. that village, leaning into people around you, uh, not hiding, fighting for fighting for those things that matter Yeah, um, because you matter, right? right? We know those decisions we make, it carries on for, for generations and to yes. see God's hand redeem those things in your life is so beautiful. Yes. So I have a question about your as far as comedy, we yeah. know that there's so much of that in your life, <laughs> your, your, your comedic relief that you give us. What is the origin story of comedy for you? Where did that begin in your life? I don't know. Like, honestly, you a funny kid. Were you just like, I did. I, I was the kind of kid that wanted to make, okay. yeah, I was the kind of kid that did want to make my friends laugh, but I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I do know that, I mean, my parents were funny in their own ways and yeah. I had a really funny aunt that I can, that I can remember, but, and my sister is hilarious. So I really don't know. I think it's just an innate thing. And it almost gave me, uh, it gave me pleasure to see that I could bring a smile to my friends' faces. I think oh. that's probably what it was. And so my kids are constantly asking me like, hey, mommy, tell me a story of like when you were a kid that was really funny. And so I get to kind of relive those moments of making my friends laugh. And, you know, it, growing up, it, it did kind of turn into one of those things where I, I desired so badly to, to be liked and to be, uh, to, for people to look at me in a way that is, you know, ah, oh, she, she brings me so much joy that, you know, maybe I would try too hard whenever I was growing up, maybe that was a thing, but you know, the more that I have talked to entertainers and, and comedians and people in the television industry or the entertainment industry, the more I'm understanding that this, this is a calling in a way. And the Lord didn't put these things in my heart and in my personality just for them to remain dormant. And so I've learned to embrace this side of me. I've learned to embrace this, this side that the Lord has instilled in me and realize like, this is, this is a gift. And this is something that the Lord wants me to use to bless other people. And that's okay. And it's not going to be for everybody. It's going to rub people the wrong way. It's going to, you know, some people might, might not think I'm funny at all. And that's okay. That's all right. But yes, I feel like with all of us, the Lord has instilled something in our personality that is meant to bring life to someone else. And I feel like that is a part of it for me. And it's been so fun and it's allowed to me to, to be sustained, like I said, in really hard times in my life. And I love reading the story of, of David. Like I said, in the beginning, you know, he's like this, he's kind of constantly up and down, but he was a man after God's own heart. And because the joy of the Lord sustained him and because he was able to get out of those really desperate places, but through his praises and his singing and his, you know, he, he loved the Lord so much that he danced like a crazy person naked in the streets. Like it's just, you know, sometimes yeah. people have to do that. 
And so, yeah, I, I think that it was just kind of one of those things where That's I just, so it's just an ins- installation that the Lord did from the very beginning. Yeah. It's like in your DNA, it's your family. Yeah. I, I love that. Your parents are funny. Your sister's funny. <laughs> Were you the class clown? I wouldn't say the clown. I really tried to be the good girl. I really did. I tried my very hardest <laughs> to like, you know, to, to make the good grades and to make my parents proud. And to, I was, I tried to be as good as I could. But around my friends, absolutely. Once we got to the lunch table, forget it. I was going to say, come on, tell me about the lunchroom. Forget it. I mean, there were multiple times that I would make, I would, I would cackle at my own jokes so much that I would start kind of tinkling a little bit. And then the, (laughs) and then the floodgates came and then I couldn't control it. It was out. It was out and that was it. And it was on metal chairs and you stand up and it's a puddle. So, you yeah. know, it just, it just happened. Okay. I'm going to tell a, a story. Like that too. That's so funny. You did. <laughs> it's totally did. Yeah. My, so when you're, when you're talking, I'm thinking about my brother. I have two brothers and my brother, Josh, um, you know, it's one of those things where I always tell him, I'm like, uh, you're so inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, if I say something, he's like, God, oh, Juliet. I'm like, well, you know, I learned it from you. And he's like, oh yeah, you're always blaming it on me. But I remember there was this moment in our childhood where he was laying on the couch and I remember I was standing by the front door and he said something so funny. And looking back, we were probably 11, 12, 12, 13, somewhere in there. I couldn't stop laughing. But then I also <laughs> realized I really had to pee. And I, I mean, I was like wheezing. Okay. <laughs> wheezing. And, and I'm not a quiet, you know, laugher. And that's Me like, a, I'm like, don't, if we're in a quiet space, like the library, don't say something funny because I'm exactly. gonna be loud, you know? <laughs> and so he, he's just, he's going on and, and I'm like, stop, stop. I have to pee. I have to pee. And he keeps going. Oh, and yeah. all of a sudden I couldn't move. I couldn't make it to the bathroom. And I <laughs> It's gone. It's he out. Said, <laughs> and it's and and it's your brother, right? He goes, Oh yeah. All of a sudden it got super quiet. And he said, Oh my God, are you peeing? <laughs> I still couldn't stop laughing. So I was I was just I was done, you know, but he's never really let me live that down. So. Oh, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Britt, you said you have you that similar thing happens to you. Well, no, I had a friend who that happened. Like we would just be laughing and driving down the the road and she would be in the passenger seat lifting up. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't hold it. I'm laughing so hard. You know? I know, please hold it. And so then it becomes, oh, she's she's serious. Like she's really <laughs> peeing in the passenger seat. How do I get her to a bathroom? For a lot? And then that makes you laugh even more. So like, oh, you know, you just have oh. to you have to, but I love those memories because that's absolutely joy, like you cannot contain. And oh, I know sometimes it just comes out in the form of, you know, <laughs> urine. Yeah, urine. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Hannah. Call it for what it is. I would have, I would have some of my friends say, well, we weren't sure if, if you were running late that day to church, we weren't sure if you were there until the pastor would crack a joke and then all of a sudden we would hear you in the back. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> that. So That's how loud, right? That's how loud. <laughs> we, we knew, we knew you were here. And then, and then of course they're like, no, it's so good. It's so cute. It's contagious. And I'm like, oh, it's charming. And that's what, I mean, I, there's, there's portions of my laugh where it's so guttural and animalistic that it's so disgusting. Then I have to tell myself it's charming, right? It's, it's going to be just charming, I guess. Well, I don't know. So Hannah, what brings you joy? Oh my gosh. My kids really bring me joy. My husband brings me joy. My dogs bring me joy. 
I mean, seeing funny videos on Instagram brings me joy. There's so many things. Oh, gosh, food brings me joy. <laughs> I, I really love food a lot. Um, those kind of <laughs> things. Yeah. And taking care of myself does bring me joy too. I've learned that like when I, when I stay balanced in as many areas of my life as I can, like really just focusing attention on not trying to do it all, but like just really taking care of my, of my body and my nutrition and, and that kind of thing. I notice that it really helps my brain to, to feel happier and to release those, you know, brain chemicals that make you feel happy. So, so yeah, it's like a combination of all those things. It's, it's a, it's a blast. Are your friends funny? Yes. My friends are really funny. They are. I have like my core group of girlfriends that don't live here. They still, I mean, they're my girlfriends that I've had since I was so little. So we, we know each other so well and we know each other's little like quirks and intricacies and all that. that It just, I mean, every time we see each other, like when we say hi, we start laughing. Like, it's just one of those things. It's like, (laughs) and it's just, you just can't help it. So my friends are, they're awesome. They really are. And they're so I love having the friends that you've known for so long that you start laughing and then it's just hand gestures and expressions and you're sorting (laughs) inside jokes galore. It's it's awesome. Awesome. What's your your favorite girl getaway that you've done? Every summer, my girlfriends and I, with all of our children, we go down to the beach where we're from and we spend about, you know, just a few days at a condo there and we just have the best time. And it's just been like, that's what we do every single summer. I couldn't go this summer because we were flying to New York City. So I was so bummed by that. I was sad. Mm -hmm. I was just, I haven't missed in like so long. So that's like our thing. And I love it because I grew up watching my mom have girlfriends reunions every summer with all of her high school girlfriends, like 10 of them or something like that. So me and my other three super close girlfriends, that's what we do now. And it just, to me, it's just really cute and special. So yeah, that's like I love that. Those friend traditions, they keep you going. Yeah. And it's amazing because you get to walk through seasons of life together yes. and start new chapters together. And mm-hmm. of course you go through hard things and yes. you, you really do lean into that village and you can look up, you know, when you can say you've had friends for 10, 15, 20 plus years, Mm-hmm. You're like, I think we're in this for life. And that's yeah. a really, that's a yeah, really it's like, you're not getting rid of me. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. No. What would you want our listeners to know about how to implement the most joy in their lives? Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is to really figure out how you can develop a more intimate relationship with the Lord. What's that going to look like for you? Is it going to look like starting to read the word for the first time on your own? Is it going to start looking like, maybe prioritizing Sunday mornings and finding a church that you can plug into with a community of people that love you and adore you and want to help you grow. Oh, does it look like, um, you know, maybe seeing a counselor for some heavy things that you've gone through? What does that look like to you? And finding balance, I feel like has also been a wonderful thing for me. So really focusing attention on my friendships, on my family, on my faith, on having fun, finding things that I find so fun, enjoying the things that I do at work in my field, um, you know, my fitness. So there's so many areas of life that we can really focus on. And once we really feel balanced in, in our life, but mainly in our walk with the Lord, I feel like joy is, is ever present. And obviously finding that awe of God and that fear of God, um, and wanting obedience whenever you want that so badly, 
joy is going to come naturally, supernaturally. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Thank you. And your Instagram says lighten up. There's so much joy in Jesus. It's yes. So, so yes. seek joy, seek counsel, seek God and seek those things that bring, bring us joy and mm. they'll seek us back. Yeah. I believe that when we seek joy, we'll mm. find it when we, when we choose to look for it and to circle back what you said at the very beginning of our time together today, cultivating joy in the fire, mm -hmm. cultivating yeah. joy in the fire, that it's a choice. We choose joy, choosing, yeah. choosing joy in the journey and in the process of life. And like Paul said, our brother said that we can be confident that what God started, he is faithful to finish in our lives. So Britt, any last words or questions for our beautiful guest today? Well, I just wanted to thank you because this has just been so fun and hearing all of your, your stories and even, you know, some of the hard, harder seasons of your life. Um, just, I think, reminding our listeners that joy is present in every season. Yes. And so like Juliet just said, you know, seeking joy, um, seeking the Lord in, in whatever season they're in. And, um, it's available and ready for you to grab hold of. And we believe collectively as, um, as sisters and believers that, um, that you can grab hold of it too. And so thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on and sharing your story and showcasing how the joy of the Lord has been strength in your life. Mm -hmm. I think it's been so encouraging and I know it's uplifted me and Juliet as well. Um, just hearing how real he is to you. It's, it's, it, you can't help but be an inspiration. And, um, and I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful reminder of who he's been to you and who he can be for us too. Amen. So. I love that. I love y'all. Y'all are we great. Love you. <laughs> my day. This was so <laughs> awesome. Oh, you've made our day. Well, <laughs> Hannah, any final words and then share with our listeners where they can find all the things about Hannah Cruz. Yes. I just know that each and every one of y'all were made for such an amazing purpose, a, a purpose beyond what you can ever dream of. And I would love to connect with you guys. You can find me on Instagram at hannahcruz.blog. I'm on TikTok too, but mainly I'm super responsive there. So I'd love to connect with you guys. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us again, Hannah thank and Britt, you. as always, my co-host. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on ground table of the Yellow Soul podcast. We hope that you've gained some peace, joy, and clarity, and some giggles. And don't pee in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> along the way and until next time friend, we all say cheers Bye. thank you love y'all bye, bye.